Hi, folks. I'm Jamie Hiles. I'm Lydia Judy. And I'm Derek Lamaster. And this is Scream Bloody Movies, the podcast where uh, we discuss horror movie news and discuss a new movie each and every week and get our fuck on. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Oh, we have never done that uh, on this podcast. Just uh, we have not, part. we have not. But uh, the podcast is still young. It is. It could evolve into whatever this, we want it to be. This is episode eleven, right? Episode eleven. So what uh, are we talking about? Right? <laughs> I don't know. But how are you guys doing today? We're Again. talking about some quackery over here. You. <laughs> oh my god. He he went straight for it. He didn't even wait. He didn't even like give it time to breathe. The real quagmire. Dolphin. What I got. Dolphin. What is that? Dolphin farts. Dolphin, Dolphin farts. farts. Please tell me that it tastes like cotton candy. No, it doesn't. That's a it miss. tastes like delicious beer. I got uh, some Sun King Orange Vanilla. They're not sponsoring the podcast, but good stuff. Joe Bob says, "Check it out." <laughs> So, um, guys, we have no time to waste, mainly because we're starting this podcast so late. (laughs) (laughs) But really, uh, we have some horror news. Uh, There wasn't a lot of new news today. Um, There was some, but not as much as we usually have. So uh, let's get right into it here and start with some news that almost was are you guys ready for this sure shoot okay so apparently uh this is crazy there was a sequel to the crow that was attempted to be made right this movie was intended to be the fourth theatrical installment of the crow franchise called the crow lazarus and it would have starred rappers DMX and Eminem. <laughs> so Are just you, based uh, off that log line, what do you guys feel? How do you guys feel about this? Um, when you think I of the, go, I can I can go without that. <laughs> I only have one question: How far in development did this get? Did someone just pitch it at an idea? Be like, hey man, what about I think this? It, there's a script. It says here. Uh, Joining us to discuss the project is screenwriter James Gibson, who discusses how this sequel came about, what its story would have entailed, and why it ultimately didn't take flight. Probably didn't take flight because it was DMX versus Eminem in The Crow. (laughs) That would have been some real quality cinema. Yeah, well, I mean, if you think about about where The Crow franchise was at this point in time, we were... um, we had had the, the original Crow, which is a Stone Cold classic. Oh, yeah, one of my then, favorites. Then we had uh, Stairway to Heaven, right? And that the sequel with uh, Vincent Perez? Or Crow's no, that was, uh No, City of Angels. City of Angels, that's right. Vincent Perez the, was in City the of Angels. The Stairway to Heaven was the, was the TV, TV series. TV yeah. series, yeah. And then they had uh, the, the third movie uh, with uh, Edward Furlong. Edward Furlong. <laughs> and David Boreanaz. Yes, yes. Um, that was a real low of his career. <laughs> that was a real low of everyone's career that was in that movie, because it was yeah. uh, not good. 
He's like, guys, you got to get me out of here. What's next? We got this show called Buffy. I'm sure, this was after Buffy. I am 100% sure it was after Buffy. But uh, so, I mean, I guess it was in this transitional period. So they could have tried something new. And this was in the 2000s. I mean, it was 2005. Uh, so, I, I mean, they, they were huge in 2007, 2008 when this would have been made. But it would have not uh, fared very well, I do not think. I agree with that. Uh assessment so here's here's uh alessandro put it to me he said jim we really want to do a hip-hop crow can you come up with ideas for that and he said yeah i'll come in (laughs) (laughs) it's like i I don't have anything else going on i might as well you know throw my hand in that hat uh lydia uh, you don't seem to be very thrilled with this idea at all yeah i think it sounds really weird It's a nice way to say terrible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe it would be good for, you know, for the right crowd, right audience, I guess. It could be, you know, it could be another cult classic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, off, you know, me just hearing it right now, I'm like, I don't really want to watch that. It's a hard pass, right? Hard pass. Yeah, yeah. That's not even a hard pass. That's an easy one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. Uh, Derek, are you a dad? I, I forgot. all right guys so for you video gamers out there uh dead by daylight is bringing in pinhead as a new character um did you guys see this um so pinhead is going to be the new playable killer for dead by daylight which is a survival horror game um i've never played this is this like the friday the 13th but kind expanded of. to other characters other than Jason? Yes. One person is the killer. Uh, you have to survive the, the time, and it's with each. Um, basically, it's in each setting of each world, depending upon who the killer is. So there's a Freddy version, there's a Michael Myers version, um, and now there's a Pinhead version. All right, I'm so, definitely going to have to play this. What was this called? Dead by Daylight. Dead by Daylight. I'm going to mark that what? down. We'll get it, and we'll all play it as a team. What do you think? Oh, great. Uh, yeah, great. I'm down for that. <laughs> I think it'll be fun. Um, so, Lydia, you'll like this. Um, there's a new documentary coming out called Boris Karloff, The Man Behind the Monster. Mm. Uh, it comes out uh, next month in, dis- in uh, September. And so I'm watching that. Yeah, definitely. It uh, is. It's a follow-up to in the claim 2010 biography Karloff more than a monster, written by Karloff's official biographer Stephen Jacobs. Hmm. Uh, audiences will be taken on a journey through Boris Karloff's life and career. They will discover the secrets of the man, the struggles and triumphs of his career, as well as the surprising twists it took. And hear direct testimony from the man himself and those who were closest. I think this sounds like a really great thing. You're obviously a huge fan, Lydia. So let's hear your thoughts first. I don't know what to say. I'm excited. I want to learn everything I can about him. Yeah, what has Karloff been to you as a horror fan? Well, he's kind of a big deal. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. It's like, it's kind of like, you know, the 
the dad of horror movies because it's like ever since I was little I saw that face you know when you think of horror movies you kind of I always thought of like the classic you know horror movies and Frankenstein Dracula are like the dad you know the father figures of horror for me yeah I agree I grew up watching those movies sitting on my grandpa's knee uh I remember watching Frankenstein when I was real little. Actually, my first exposure to the Frankenstein character, it wasn't Karloff, my first exposure to the Frankenstein character was uh, Evan Costellini's Frankenstein. Nice. And I loved it, and then that got me into monsters, which got me into modern monsters like Freddy, and uh, you know, here I am today. So. so would you say that it is easy or difficult to quantify his impact on the genre? Uh, both, I guess, because you could say, if you say uh, the easy route would be it's immeasurable, right? It's an immeasurable impact, just like uh, Bela Lugosi, his impact was immeasurable, uh, or James Whale as a, as a director, or Todd Browning as a director. These are um, basically the the legends that we stand on their shoulders when we go to the next when we make our movies, you know. So. John Carpenter's, you know, people were Howard Hawks and the those folks. So the people that we feel as our heroes, like the John Carpenters, have them as their heroes. So that's some quality stuff right there. <laughs> and it's weird too because it's like they were kind of like the they were supposed to kind of fit into this like cookie cutter monster movie, but you know. Karloff himself like kind of brought everything to the table like how creative he was in playing the character and being involved in what you know what options he had to be involved in like he like the he took out one of his teeth to like mm -hmm. have a more sunken in face mm -hmm. like he did that he chose to do that that's yeah. insane I mean like he you know that's really inspiring when you think about it Oh, yeah. And uh, one more thing to, to talk about this, uh, to your point, uh, in the original Frankenstein, in the script, he's written as a mute monster. Mm -hmm. But when you watch James Wells' movie, he's anything but. He is this sympathetic uh, being who is just brought to life and he has becomes, becomes sentient and he doesn't know what's going on. And there's just this, this warmth and horror and empathy in that character without any line of dialogue. Mm -hmm. So yeah, he's a pretty big deal as Lydia put it. <laughs> so this is interesting. Uh, I talked to Derek about this already, but there is uh, a new Friday the 13th movie, just uh, a uh, fan film just appeared, uh, premiered uh, this Friday on Friday the 13th. By the way, folks, if you haven't listened to our Friday the 13th episode, go back and listen to that. It's a blast. Um, called Jason Rising. Um, did either of you have a chance to see this or hear anything about it? No, I mean, I heard what you told me, mm. and it sounded uh, sounded terrible. So <laughs> I think I'm going to get those wow. notes of my life back just, just and not watch the, it. Just take the gloves right off, Derek. <laughs> Um, I watched it. I have some thoughts on it. We'll uh, may get into them after you guys both have seen this movie. We can kind of discuss it maybe at the beginning of next week or something. 
it's only about 45 minutes long. So um, you can breeze through it. Um, there's some good stuff in it. Uh, they, I mean, it's decently, I mean, hey, they made this as a, as a passion project. You know what I mean? Uh, mm. A love of the franchise. So, and it, it brings back like Adrian King and some other final girls. So, I mean, more power to them for that stuff. You know, you can't be mad at that. Whether I love the direction it went or the execution is another story that we'll, we'll discuss. But uh, I just want to congratulate them for making it. Good job, guys. You know, let's keep Jason on our screen since the bastards that actually own the rights can't quit fighting over it to give us the actual movie. I know. All of them, they're fighting over money they could be making, but they're not because they're fighting. Exactly. It's an endless loop. Not a very smart decision. Come on, guys, get with it. Sean Cunningham, pay Victor Miller, and let's get let's get let's get going. Now, guys, the last bit of news I have tonight is uh, fitting because it kind of ends a saga that we were we were on for a while as a group, right? It uh, over the weekend it's been announced that shooting has wrapped on the Toxic Avenger reboot. Mm. So we have finally wrapped up uh this this movie uh we still don't really know much about it we know that lloyd kaufman was on on set at multiple times so that's good um so thoughts are you guys surprised that it's done filming already uh are you worried that it's done filming already um what do you guys think i'm not worried i'm sure i mean yeah, I don't know. I have faith that they at least knew a little bit of what they were doing. <laughs> yeah, I I think so. I'm I'm actually I'm kind of shocked that it's done already because I and it's not because they did. I don't think they gave it enough time to shoot. I'm shocked because we've been doing this now for a while, mm -hmm. and that was like one of the early episodes. Mm -hmm. And now I realize, oh crap, we've been doing this for like you know multiple months now. So yeah, of course filming's done. Um, but I'm excited to see it. Yeah, I mean, if you uh, if you know what you're doing, it doesn't take a lot of time to to accomplish what you set out to do. So, I mean, so I'm not worried. Big big actors that know what they're doing too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean just some of the names that are attached to this project. I feel like it it's gotta go in a, in the right direction, but we'll see. Yeah, I have all the faith in the world that it's going to be good. I think it's going to be fun. Uh, I mean. For uh, comparison's sake, we actually Friday start filming the last two days of our movie, so which means that we'll film for a, a, a total amount of four days or something like that. Uh, maybe some pickup shots here and there if we if we if we have those scheduled. Uh, so yeah, I'm excited, ready to go. Are you guys excited about filming this weekend? Yes. It's always the best, isn't it? It is. Ready to get her done. Yeah. Ready to kill some people, Lydia? Definitely. I'm ready to get into the editing room. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, one more thing about the <clears throat> the Toxic Avenger. So I would imagine that it doesn't matter, like, what era, as far as, like, when you started watching horror movies, a new Toxic Avenger is going to open up, like, a lot of people to that that franchise that... Because it's really underrated, to be honest with you. I feel like you really have to know your stuff in order to uh, have seen 
or know about it oh. as a franchise. Yeah, well, especially now. That's exciting. I mean, there's there's tons of new trauma fans born every day, which is great. Uh, but for people of a particular age, namely Derek and I, who were born in the 80s, Mm-hmm. We knew who the Toxic Avenger was because we were born in the 80s. And do you remember when we were growing up, Derek, there was literally a Toxic Avenger cartoon on TV. Yeah, vaguely I remember that, yeah. yeah. There was a Saturday morning Toxic Avenger cartoon for an R-rated, horribly inappropriate movie series. They used to do that shit. There was RoboCop cartoons. Yep. There Rainbow. was Rambo. There was uh, Beetlejuice Oh, man, I love Beetlejuice. Yeah, Beetlejuice is awesome. It was good. We might be getting a new one, guys. Maybe. We might be getting Maybe. a new Beetlejuice. Hey, he came back as a... Batman. Hey, Michael Keaton in an interview, they asked him if he had talked to Tim Burton recently. And he said, uh, you know, basically asking if he talked about him being Batman. And he said, no, but only because we've been talking about something else. And he couldn't elaborate on what that something else was. So it's either a new Beetlejuice movie or a new Batman movie. And I would be 100% fine with either. I thought you were going to say Edward Scissorhands. Yeah, starring Michael Keaton. He's <laughs> Edward Beetlejuice hands. Edward Beetlejuice hands. <laughs> we better be careful. We said his name a bunch. If we say it three times, he's going to pop up somewhere. <laughs> All right, guys, that does it for the horror news. Did you guys hear anything that I missed? Nope. How about you, viewer? If there's something I missed or something you want us to talk about, type it into the comments and send them on in to us, and we will discuss them on next week's podcast. Yeah. Well, actually, we'll discuss them on a couple weeks' podcast, because by the time we get this, it'll be a couple weeks later. All right, guys. I'm sorry to pull back the curtain right there, but (laughs) say let me. (laughs) Kayfabe. It's gone. Yeah, I just killed Kayfabe. Damn it. All right, guys. So tonight's movie is uh, the 1986 uh, film Night of the Creeps, written and directed by Fred Decker, who wrote and directed last week's movie, The Monster Squad. So, did you mean to do that? I did not. (laughs) Here's what's great: is I I realized that afterwards, I. We watched The Monster Squad. I was thinking about what movie to watch. And I looked over at my Blu-ray collection and I was like, Night of the Creeps, I haven't watched in a while. That's a good one. And after I picked it, I realized we're doing back-to-back Decker. We're doing a Decker marathon. So now, all we to, now all we have to do is The Predator. And we'll be, we'll be in. <laughs> so, guys, this movie is a lot of fun. It is a hodgepodge of multiple genres of B-alien movies, of monster movies, of slashers, of zombie films. It's got it all thrown in there with a great homage to the 1950s. Oh, for Uh, sure. Which starts us with the beginning of this movie, which to me is fucking hilarious. So first we start with the, the, the logo, which is great. The opening titles of this, I think, are awesome. Yeah. You see it slowly start to spell out creep, and you get that kind of cool music. Did you guys think that sets the tone pretty well? Yeah. I agree. I love the font of the, of the word creep. Mm-hmm. 
it's definitely 50s B movie. It's pretty wild. Yeah. yeah. Why? You think that's wild, Lydia? What did you think of the very next scene? So I'm trying to remember everything because I've only seen this one time. Yes. So, so that's in the, the spaceship. The very first scene's in that spaceship. Oh, that's right. Oh my With gosh, I totally forgot that that. Aliens. <laughs> I watched this last night <laughs> for the first time. So just keep that in mind when you're listening to this. Yeah, I totally forgot that that even happened. That seems like a different movie. <laughs> it totally seems like a different movie. So but I, I was it. talking to yeah, I was talking to Jamie about this earlier. So when we watched the uh, the blob, like before I started watching that movie, I'm like, man, the end, the beginning of this is so much different than I thought it was because I had put the beginning of this movie with the beginning uh, of the blob yeah. in my mind. I could and see so, that. Yeah, and then afterwards, I was like, huh, well, where where do I know that from? <laughs> so that's awesome. It, By the time the movie circle. ends, I feel like you completely forget that that. Yeah. yeah. So the beginning feels like it was almost like, hey, we need an explanation for what this experiment is. Yeah. And so instead of just being like, well, we can have it like just fall from space. I want to show like some evil alien releasing it on the space while some other aliens chasing to make him stop from. And they, the creature designs are hilarious to me. They oh have my this God. Perpetual frown. Yeah. They're so goofy. <laughs> and they're naked. Yes. They are naked. naked. And I like how the one alien says, damn. <laughs> Yeah. How would you describe them? They're like weird, naked little bulldog orange aliens. Like, yes, that's a pretty what? good explanation. Fair, fair description. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> They're so weird. I'm just thinking of like the listeners are going to, if they haven't seen this movie, they're going to be like, oh, that's not a, they're going to be like, what do they look like? I don't know. They're like, or they have like little butt cheeks. You know, it, with a really hideous face, they kind of look like, and not the hair, but the uh, the old uh, uh, troll dolls that they sold in the 80s, yeah. you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, they kind of do. Uh, for our viewers, we'll put a picture of them right here. But yep. for everybody else, uh, your our audio listeners, uh, you've got to check them out. They are very interesting little creatures. I'll actually put them in the thumbnail to this episode so you can see them. Yep. Um you gonna put one of their butt cheeks? I'm gonna put or just one of their ash, frowny faces. A full ash cheek shot. <laughs> you gotta watch the movie to see the butt cheeks, okay, people? The butt cheeks. Yeah, we're are not real. gonna give it all away in the thumbnail. <laughs> yeah. Great Release call, the butt cheek cut. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, after that wild opening, you think that's wild? Then we end up in Rush Week of 1959. And we're transported into this black and white film mm -hmm. with color titles. And so then we're told basically another kind of story inside itself. We find out that this this girl is uh, has just dumped this cop. And she's like, her roommates are talking about it or whatever. Well, a boy comes up, uh, Joe College with his flat top, comes up yeah. and starts throwing rocks at the at the window, that old trick. And she goes down and uh, they go on a date and they wind up in Lookout Point. And at Lookout Point, they, uh, they're, they you know, kind of flirting or whatever. And then their cop, yep. the, her ex-boyfriend, the cop shows up, which is detective, or which at the time is Officer Ray yep. Cameron, which will become a very important character in this movie. So Officer 
Well, and uh, let's Cameron. set this up. Why he so why he is going car to car, telling them but, to uh, to disperse. Yes, because there is a axe murderer on the loose. So a guy escaped the mental institution, and yep. has been and is armed and extremely dangerous. So he's going car to car, telling folks to go home, basically. And uh, our our girl and her uh, Joe College boyfriend decide to stay, and they make a wish on a star. And, and by the way, guys, the acting right the acting of the boyfriend is terrible. <laughs> so you're bringing this up a little early, but I'm glad you touched on it. So the the acting in this movie is spotty at times. It's such a fun movie, and it, it definitely has its strong actors, but. Yeah, I mean that that's one of them, but there are a couple of instances where guys, it has the strongest actor in it. Dude, we'll he is the him. strongest actor. We'll get to him later. Yeah. I mean of all time. Of all time. <laughs> so uh they 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 see the um this star getting bigger and it's the, the, the experiment dropping down to Earth. And he says, of course, I bet it's that one. <laughs> so he goes to investigate and while he's in the woods investigating the the experiment um she hears a radio broadcast that says that the axe murder that murderer is on route 66 by corman college did you guys catch that yep corman college there's a lot of these references in the movie we'll point them out when we get to them so corman college and uh well, we see the we see the creature stuck into the guy's mouth. Well, wait, uh, yeah. So before that, so when the the radio is going on, and she's like, "Wait a minute!" and she flips the lights on to see, you know, sixty six Corman College, and then uh, that's one of the funniest lines in the room or in the movie. She like starts yelling at her boyfriend. She was like, "Hey, come back! I'll let you feel my boobs." <laughs> Yeah, no, she says, I'll let you fondle my breasts. I'll let you fondle my breasts. Which is the weirdest way to say that. That's the best way. I mean, if I were a girl, that's the way that I would say it, but. That is the way Derek would say it. He'd be like, Excuse me, ma'am, may I fondle your breasts? It's always good to ask permission. But anyway. Always. But then he would also say, It doesn't, the breasts don't matter. You see, the body is but a vessel for the soul. All right, now you're crossing a line. <laughs> he just made that up. That actually never happened. Let's That's move a on. Classic Derek Lemaster line, by the way. <laughs> true story. True story, folks. So, uh, yeah. So then we see the 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 killer dragging an axe behind her, and as he's about to make the swipe, we cut. Yeah. What do you guys think of this fifties chunk of the movie? Perfect. Yeah, I liked it. It sets like the tone it, uh, really well, doesn't it? I mean, it, it sets the tone. It introduces the, you know, uh, the most pivotal character in this movie. Um, it lets you, because as this movie progresses, you realize, like, he's kind of at the end of his rope, mm. you know? And this gives that backstory that's crucial to let you know, like, why he's there. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so it, it does a lot of good character development. So not only does it set up his backstory, but it also sets up how the experiment survived. And we see what its host is and who its host is. 
Um, so I'm assuming that the military had come in at some point and took it. We don't have that. We don't need that. Yeah, but, there are a couple of plot holes that this does set up, but yeah, for the main part, it, it does it does what it's intended to do, yeah. and that's give you a history. Yeah. History so then lesson. we fast forward 27 years later to 1986. The best year ever, guys. I assume that's when you were born. Well, yeah, that's the best part, but also Top Gun came out in 1986. <laughs> Master Let's of Puppets see. was released. Come on, good stuff. But um, so we cut to Rush Week, 1986, and we're introduced to our our two main characters. Uh, two of our main characters. We're introduced to Chris Romero and JC. So Chris Romero obviously is named after George Romero, the, mm -hmm. the, the, the father of the zombie film uh, and great independent filmmaker. And uh, JC's last name is Carpenter, named after, of course. The, John. The, the messiah of horror, John Carpenter. <laughs> also does a really good uh, musical show. Just yes, throwing that out there. Yes, he does. You've already bragged about that. We will <laughs> brag about it every time our Lord and Savior, John Carpenter, is mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, just off the bat, I love the relationship between uh, Chris and JC. Mm -hmm. And I think JC is fucking hilarious, dude. He is he is really good. I I really enjoyed his character. I like yeah, in this movie. Yeah, the, the lines he has and oh. uh, the way he delivers them are so great. Yeah, the, the lines in this movie in general, like for kind of a B movie, like some of the the dialogue, maybe not necessarily how it's delivered in some instances, but like the dialogue is really good. And there's so many one-liners in this movie. Oh, so many it's great ones. It's hard to track. JC <laughs> says a, a bunch of them right off the bat. Uh, JC and Chris are walking down the street, and they and uh, Chris sees our uh, main heroine, Cynthia. Yeah, Cynthia Cronenberg, by the way, named after the great David Cronenberg. So. Uh, <clears throat> So he sees Cynthia and uh, falls in love immediately. It's one of those movie, you know, love moments where he stares longingly into the middle distance. The only thing it was missing at that point was like a straight cut to a musical, like, yeah, move in. Yeah. Think so these broken wigs, though. No. <laughs> <laughs> so he sees her and is immediately in love, and he's like, who is that? And he's like, how the hell should I know who that is? Hey, honey, what's your name? <laughs> By the way, if uh, if this were real life, like how uh, CJ goes over and like actually starts the conversation, I love how he like dogs JC, his friend. JC. What did I say, CJ? Yeah. JC. Anyway, how JC like goes over and starts talking to her. Man, he totally would have gotten the girl. Yeah. If yeah. this were real life. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah, Jay-Z's the best. So, yeah. you know, they follow her into this place because he's in love now. Frat house, yeah. Yeah, they go into the frat house, and JC goes in to find out who she is, do reconnaissance. It's kind of like, you know, the, the dumb and dumber scene. I'm going to hang out by the bar, put out the vibes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he goes over, and uh, he rescues her from this, this dude, man, <clears throat> Steve. What do you guys think of Steve's 
mono brow. <laughs> oh my God, man. That's such a great detail to add. That was really <laughs> You know, in, in real life, they're like, I know who we're going to make this guy look like. Dude. We don't best, know. The best is when he says, uh, oh, man, of course she's with a guy. And he goes, Chris, what are you talking about? The guy has one continuous eyebrow. <laughs> 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 so he goes over and talks to her, finds out her name, finds out that she has a boyfriend. But he also says some really great one-liners to Steve. Like, he's like, hey, what's his name? Steve. Hey, Steve, they have a phone call for you over there. <laughs> when, he comes, when he comes back, he's like, no, dude. Not cool. And he's yeah. like, it's just great. And Steve's like, acts like he's cool. And he's just such a fucking weirdo with a mono brow. <laughs> So, oh my gosh. So they decide, Chris decides, the only way I'm going to impress this girl is to join a, a frat. I'm going to join a fraternity. So that's where we meet another great character in this movie, the goddamn Bradster. The Bradster. <laughs> Lydia, what are your thoughts on the Bradster? <laughs> I mean, like, what is anybody's thoughts on the Bradster? I know I've got thoughts on the Bradster. I mean, he's like the villain of this movie where the there are literally aliens running around laying eggs in people's heads. Like, <laughs> he's the villain. He is the villain. You're right. Derek, what do you think of the Bradster? Dude, the entire movie, I'm like, man, I know I know this guy from somewhere. And uh, I finally looked him up on IMDb, and I can thank my grandma for watching Mama's, uh, what was it, Mama's House? Mama's Family. Mama's Family. Yeah, I knew I knew him, man. I've watched so many episodes of Mama's Family. You know, I forgot what the name of it was, but yeah, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> you call him Mama's House. That's a Martin Lawrence movie, man. Big Mama's House. Hey, tomato, tomato, it's whatever. But uh, yeah, it, it, it really annoyed me uh, that I couldn't place that guy until I looked him up. But yeah, he's totally uh, the young guy from... Uh, I love his, his, they gave him like this bleachest of blonde hair. Oh, man. Made him yeah. total, total douche. Yep. Uh, there's actually a line later in the movie that's really funny uh, when it's after they're confronted at the, when they confront him outside after what is about to happen occurs. And he says, uh, go practice your goose stepping. <laughs> <laughs> that was CJ, right? Yeah. Yeah. JC. J damn it. JC. <laughs> Just you, you sometimes get your merge with slap. It's not a big deal. <laughs> I'm gonna write that down really quick. <laughs> Want me to help you spell it? It's J C. <laughs> that's that's a low blow. <laughs> be the you, you should be Steve. Not cool. Not cool. <laughs> So they go and meet with Bradster and his frat buddies and ask to to join. And there's this great extended bit where JC continues to like name all of the types of words for money. Things like oh, yeah. Hula, greenbacks, the old green, the narrow. <laughs> Just goes for like five seconds. The only one he missed, I think, was Quan. <laughs> yeah, it's so great. 
So they tell him that the only way they can join is if they pull a prank. And of course, Chris says, we don't have to have sex with a farm animal, do we? Yeah. And um, so the Bradster is, does have a response to that. He was like, uh, interesting, interesting, but tools. no. Yeah. <laughs> so they uh, they have to take a dead body mm-hmm. and dump it onto the front lawn of, of a different sorority house. And uh, so that's what they're tasked to do. After they leave, we find out that the Bradster is Cynthia's boyfriend. Would Cynthia ever be dating the Bradster guys? What do you no. think? I mean, he's a step up from unibrow guy, but... Uh, <laughs> but no. They didn't seem like they had been together for too long because she clearly didn't know him very well yet. Yeah, it's kind of like they had just started one. dating. Yeah. Uh, Lydia, would you ever date the Bradster? No. That's going to be a no for me, dog. Yeah, like, how terrible do you have to be to say, go take a steal someone's body who has a family and dump it somewhere where somebody's going to be traumatized by it? Like, yeah, it's pretty messed up. Horrible do you have to be to do something like that? It'd be pretty bad. I guess the equally as horrible agreed. as the person who doesn't. <laughs> the fact that they agreed is like unrealistic to me. Well, especially yeah. for their characters, but they need a reason. We needed a story reason to get yeah. them. Yeah, well, and, and it's like, you'll do anything for love, and I totally understand Yes, that. yes, exactly. <laughs> um, like, what, what, what morgue? Where's the morgue at? So, yeah, what? tell me where it is. So we get this great scene of uh, them breaking into the morgue, and um, we see this, this nerdy scientist guy, uh, played by uh, David Hayter, who's been in a lot of... Mm-hmm. Stuff you recognize me from a million movies, right? Yeah. I always, yeah. whenever I see him, I always think of City Slickers. Yeah. And uh, guys, this is a deep cut, but Carpool with Tom Arnold. That is a deep cut. You remember that movie, Derek? Nah, vaguely. Vaguely. It's a cheesy 90s comedy uh, where Tom Arnold is a bank robber. It's, it's something. It's a special one. I used to watch it as a kid. <clears throat> Little bit of a side note, but do you remember uh, the bank robbery movie with uh, with Bill Murray and uh, uh, Randy, Randy Quaid, Quaid and uh, who is uh, the girl? Yeah, it's a quick uh, change. Is it? It is quick change. Yeah, yeah. quick change. It's a great one. Yeah, great. But uh, <laughs> so they we get this bit where the scientist is like uh, he st- puts in most of the code and he forgets the last number of the code. So he goes and makes a phone call, and he's talking to somebody. Hey, read, read me the notepad. No, this notepad. And while he's doing that, uh, while he's doing that, our, our our guys go in, and JC sees this keypad, and he's just like pushes zero just out of like, huh? And it opens this compartment, which is the best way they could possibly get it. Yes. That's hilarious. So it, funny. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Lydia. No, yeah, that's all I was gonna say. Yeah. Literally, that was so funny to me. Such a great. The, the only thing moment. I had against this scene was the fact that, like, literally, that is the only security that they have. Like, how did they get into the building? How did they? That's like, the all best that stuff part. In it's, my it's mind, in a, like, 
it's a secured place in the like the uh, university morgue is what it seems like. It so that's just like that's that, the yeah. best joke about it. It's like that they have they've had this thing for like almost thirty years and haven't fi figured out what to do with it. So this body is just sitting in here. Basically, and is the joke cryogenics. So they find Not a this keyword, but they find that cryogenics is definitely a c word. You non-spelling son of a bitch. <laughs> that was a reference to my cup. Anyway, I've got one coming up, just so you know. Okay, I can't wait. So we, um, <laughs> they end up in this room and they see the frozen uh, Joe College from the beginning of the movie. The and cadaver? The cadaver of Joe College, yeah. And he's frozen. And as uh, JC puts it, he's a corpsicle. Corpsicle, that's classic. Yep, yep. corpsicle. And uh, so JC just starts fucking with switches. Like, it's just like, ah, all right. And Chris is like, no, you did not just do that. Yeah. And then he sees the button, and he pushes it with his uh, crutch. So we got to also mention that, we haven't mentioned this, JC walks with, with crutches. Like, he can't walk by himself, so he has two crutches. Mm -hmm. And so he pushes it with the crutch and opens it up, and he says, hey, if we're going to do this, this is, I don't see any other bodies laying around, so we've got to take this guy. Yeah. So they're carrying him out, and there's this great exchange where he's like, hey, is he heavy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> is, he, is he cold? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the corpse comes to life, and they freak out, and they run away. And uh, the other, the scientist goes in there, and he screams, and we, we, we end the scene. And then we track to a phone call. We, 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 well, first, we cut to a desert island. Yeah. And we see a superbly handsome man dressed in a tuxedo. <laughs> on, the, on the ground. Yes. Drinking a, like, drink of some sort, like a fruity drink, mm -hmm. with a lay around his neck. It's Tom Atkins as uh, Detective... Uh, Ray Carpenter named after, or Ray uh, Cameron named after the great James Cameron. So uh, we see this flashback. Basically, he's having a dream. We see the the, the girl from the beginning, Betty, or what have you, mm -hmm. and uh, she's trying to say something to him. It cuts, and he's like holding a shotgun, and he walks upon a skeleton of the the creepy axe guy, who turns around and he shoots it, and then he wakes up. From the phone call, and of course he answers the phone like I will answer the phone from this day forward. Yeah. How's he answer it, Lydia? I don't know. You don't remember how's he answer it, Derek? Uh, he doesn't say thrill me yet. He does say thrill me. He does say thrill me all the time. That's though. exactly how he answers it. Thrill me. Thrill me. Which is his catchphrase throughout the movie. I couldn't tell. I couldn't remember if he said it before or after the dumb bone. Yep, he said it immediately. He answers the phone and says, "Thrill me." Thrill me. <laughs> And we cut to him. Is this, wait, wait. He's like, is this Officer uh, Cameron? Yeah. No. No. no it's, it's Bozo the Clown. Bozo the Clown. <laughs> so when we cut back to the, the uh, when he arrives on the scene, he's, you know, standing there dressed in a trench coat looking cool. And he's like backlit. And they're like, Officer Cameron? No. Bullwinkle the Moose. <laughs> that was honestly the only really? one I didn't, I didn't like. 
What, whole winkle the moose? Yeah, just because it felt uh, it, it felt um, too pushed. You know what I mean? Like I, I it, because it happened directly after the last one. I oh, it does. should have had as, a little bit more of a break between. Yeah, as yeah. a first time watcher, it just made me laugh. Like I was just like he, like it literally happened so fast after he did the last line, like. I was like, "What is this? What is this character?" That's what like, I loved about it. That's it sets up who he is so good. Yeah, because yeah. he's just like this. I don't give a shit. I'm a smart ass, whatever kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And so there's this great scene where he's talking about like he's trying to figure out the bodies, and then he talks to the desk sergeant, whose name did you guys catch? The desk sergeant's name, uh, uh, Sergeant Ramey. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Really? Yep, Sergeant Ramey. So uh, he talks to Death Sergeant Ramey, and he's like, so what's going on with this? Well, we've got a problem. People that are dead for 27 years don't just get up and walk out. And he said, well, a janitor saw some people run out. He's like, and you guys interviewed the janitor, right? No, I'll go do that. He's just like, what the fuck? Which station is this? Well, Um, I mean, at one point, they're like, uh, you know, I, I sent the two rookies down here. You know, and at some point they had to use the bathroom because yeah. there was a there were two bodies that were yeah. Discovered. Then there's only one. Now yeah. there's only one. Yeah. So they um, we cut back to um, Chris and JC at uh, their their dorm room, and this is one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Like they're out of breath, they're scared because of what just happened, and. Chris starts complaining, why did we do all this? Why are you doing that? And JC just fucking puts him on front street. Yeah. Just, ladies, what do you guys think of JC's little speech here? It was great. It was justified. Love, love it. Honest. Yeah. So it was honest. honest. You can tell, like, uh, you know, just between these two characters that uh, they're like brothers. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? They're not, uh, they're kind of like that next level of friend. And oh, you know yeah. that... Uh, JC would do anything for his friend. Yeah. Yeah. And that's awesome. Yeah. And the fact that he, the way he lays it out is so good and so funny. He's just like, boom, here it is. Here it is. You know, you always, you've, you know, you were on the next girl and then, oh, now you're onto this girl and the Cynthia girl. And then next week's bimbo, blah, blah, blah. And he starts just laying it all out. You know, you can do these things. I can't do these, but you can totally do these things. You've got to get over yourself. And, uh, He's like, I'm sorry, you know, for being a, a, a an asshole. I'm sorry too. And then they kind of and then he's like, No, so fuck you. Fuck you. You would. You'd let You'd me. You'd let me. Yeah. You'd like it. <laughs> and then they have a pillow fight in the scene. Are we done? <laughs> so I love that because it really shows those characters. It's a really good scene to build those yeah. characters, I feel yeah. like. Um and then we get this, uh, you know, they're walking out, and they uh, that's when they run into the Braster and all of his friends, and, you know, Braster's like, not cool, man. You had to, vote. Oh, oh, I'm actually skipping a, a scene. In between there, there's this very important scene where we get uh, Cynthia's at home. She goes to the dorm room. A girl asks her if she can take the brains downstairs. She has a, a jars of brains for an experiment, and she's like, mm-hmm. go ahead and put them in the basement. So she goes upstairs and she changes. Um, and 
while this is going on, we hear rocks hitting the the window again because it's muscle memory from good old Joe College. Mm-hmm. So she checks the window, and we see this great. We see the first like practical effect in the movie, which is this. His head comes apart and worms spill. What do you guys think of this? I love. I still... Go ahead. Go ahead. I just I don't know the how they did the. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. I did. I don't know how they did the worms, like the slugs or whatever. It looks really cool. It's so cool the way his head splits open, isn't it? Yeah. Derek. There is. A, there's something to be said about practical effects compared to some of the digital effects uh, that I think that uh, a lot of filmmakers. Uh, rely on nowadays i mean yes it's probably cheaper probably saves them time up front but man there is something about it like this movie made in 87 right yeah. i'm sure it was came out in 87 yeah <clears throat> yeah probably filmed in 85 or 86, 86 but uh yeah. that that this movie looks a thousand times better than some of the the newer movies that uh, rely too heavily on the digital effects so it's fantastic that they uh like just the the boundaries that they pushed in this, I think. Yeah, they did and a great I think job. it's a very cool concept that their heads mm-hmm. split open to release the worms instead of instead of something lame like they just spin them back up. You yeah. know what I mean? Because that could easily have been a thing, but instead their whole head split open like a cantaloupe. And so Detective Cameron, of course, shows up on the scene, uh, and he sees this aftermath, and sees like. Uh, it looks like an axe had mm-hmm. went to this dude's head. So of course he's having flashbacks of the axe killer that killed him. We find out that he is the police officer from the beginning and that that was his ex-girlfriend that was murdered by the, the axe man. And we get this scene which doesn't have a lot of context yet. I mean, it kind of does. He's looking at the house mother's house, the little mm-hmm. cottage. He stares for a moment. And, and he stares and we get like some quick shots of like, uh, a body being wrapped into plastic. And we don't kind of know what this means. We kind of have a hint of what it means, but we don't really know what it means yet. And uh, he's like, so what do you call that? Call that the house mother's, you know, stage or whatever. And she's like, all right, that's weird. <laughs> so that's when we get the confrontation between the Bradster and our heroes, where he's like, you know, not cool. You dumped a dead body in front of a girl's house, blah, blah. And they're like, well, yeah. we didn't do it. We chickened out. We couldn't. We couldn't do it. Um, and um, JC confronts him and tells him, you know, basically to go fuck yourself, Brad. Uh, go practice your goose stepping. And like a jerk, he trips a crippled man, like a handicapped yeah. man, trips him, and he's like, "Oh, <laughs> I guess it's nothing personal." Yeah. Well, I mean, this is a pivotal moment because uh, yes. Cynthia sees this all go down. Sees and, the side uh, of Brad. Yep, and that's the catalyst for her to decide that, hey, this is not in my best interest. I'm going to go ahead and get rid of this guy. What do you think of Lydia? What do you think of the way she rejects Brad? Yeah, I was like, obviously, it's about time. Yeah, the manner in which she does it. What do you think of this? Well, that's awesome, yeah. (laughs) I mean, yeah, she just flips him off. (laughs) Yeah, it's like... She did yeah, the Jack in the Box, fair. didn't she? Yeah, the Jack in the Box yeah. flip off. Yeah. Yeah. And then my favorite little bit is that everybody around her claps. <laughs> when she does it, bravo, bravo, good on you. Um, 
So then she joins our crew, you know, and she's like, well, I'm Cynthia, you know, Cronenberg. And he's like, well, hi, I'm Christopher Romero and J.C. Carpenter. And they're arrested. Yep. And we get this great scene of them sitting in the interrogation room with the this janitor and Detective Cameron. And Cameron's grilling them about, so this happened. So I see this dead body, and I'm thinking to myself, it might be, you know, a good old college prank, bordering on bad taste, but still on the line of tomfoolery. Uh, but then there's, an, you know, all this other stuff. But then the body's mutilated and everything. And he's like, come on, do you think we, JC says, do you think we'd be the kind of guys that'd be hanging around in a frat house like that? And Chris says, he's lying, we did it. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I uh, kind of equated this to? What's that? To give you a backstory, uh, so when I was younger, I, uh, myself and two other uh, people, two of my friends got caught uh, destructing. It was destruction of mailboxes, right? So I got pulled out of the car and I was standing uh, with the cop and the cop is like, so what have you boys been doing tonight? And I'm like, uh, you know, just cruising. <laughs> My two friends are still sitting sitting in the car, and he's like, "I'm gonna ask you one more time. What were you guys doing tonight?" And I didn't. I don't realize that my head did this, but uh, from the uh, the story of the other two, apparently my head dropped and I started spilling the beans. Fashion in mailboxes. Fashion mailboxes. <laughs> Never do that. That's a bad idea. But uh, but yeah, that's that's where my mind went in this scene. Yeah, I have a similar one. Uh, it was. Um couple of my buddies were out. We were not destroying property. We weren't doing anything illegal. We were just being silly and running around in togas back in our teen days. And uh, we were about to go to the store down the road and two of my buddies are standing outside and a police officer pulls up and he's like, hey, did you have you guys seen uh, any kids running around in togas? And one of our friends uh, said, oh yeah, that was us. <laughs> <laughs> and our other friend just slowly looked at him like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> like, he didn't know anything. Was Zach the one that uh, confessed? No, it was actually Andrew that confessed, yeah. And Zach looked at him like, what? <laughs> <laughs> the best part of that story is I was walking out to join them, and yep. I saw the cop car, and I turned around and walked back inside. <laughs> <laughs> that like, is the best. It's going to be a no for me, guys. <laughs> I forgot something in there. I'll be right back. It was like that, you know, that Simpsons meme where Grandpa walks in and he puts down all of his stuff and hangs it on, then turns around and walks and puts his hat back on and walks out of the door. So they, uh, so yeah, so he says they chickened out. Uh, we're going to do it, but we chickened out. Um, and we left the body there. Uh, you know, it twitched. It came alive. And, um, of course, Romero, or, uh, Cameron is kind of confused by this, but he's kind of starting to see something's up. Something's weird going on. And the janitor says, he's like, well, screaming this janitor. Like banshees. In place you hear. And said that they were screaming like banshees. So the janitor multiple times repeats, screaming like banshees. 
So the next ships uh, section you know what I, is like real quick. What? You know what I really loved about this movie? What's that? I love that it didn't take itself serious, like too seriously. No, not at all. There were at least two references to the movie in the movie. Yeah, he says JC in that scene says, uh, "Do you think I would join a front house? I'd rather get my brains eaten by an alien invader." Yeah. <laughs> And, and at Cameron some point, at one point says yeah. something about is this you know is this a case or is this a B movie? Yeah. Yeah. And those, those uh, are the two references I was yeah. referring to. And then he um so we get the scene where the corner, which by the way, this corner is something else. He's always eating food. Dude, uh I forgot to mention that. Yeah, because in the very first uh uh scene where we see the two dead bodies, or we're supposed to see the two dead bodies. They bring in this bra- this briefcase. They set it down. They open it up, and there's a tr- like a sandwich in there for the corner. <laughs> He's always eating. And that's by the way, that's a weird uh, trope in movies. They always have coroners eating. And we'll flash a couple of clips here. But we have the like right off the top of my head. This movie, there's the uh, bit in Friday the Thirteenth Part Four. The coroner's eating his sandwich. Lays this thing on there. There's uh. Gone of Sissy Seconds, where the Sphinx, when we first meeting, is working as a coroner and eating a sandwich. Actually, uh, Jason goes to hell. The coroner is eating. Yep. I think it. I, if I were to guess, and I am probably wrong on this, it's more or less to be like, oh, you know, these, these are dead bodies, and this guy's eating. It's no big deal to him. Yeah, that's what it is. A shorthand. It's also a shorthand to show how gross these guys are. This guy's yeah. disgusting because he's eating on top of a dead body. Yeah, and this dead body specifically, um, it's this is a hilarious scene because it gets up with the toe tag. It stands up. It doesn't bother the corner at all. The corner is, you know, doing paperwork and eating his heart away. And then he starts to walk out of the precinct, and he, like, walks by this police officer who's just, like, you know, looking at his nose. Hey, see you ne- next weekend or yeah. <laughs> see you next week. I love that bit. It was great. That was good. It was really good. And then he runs I, into how disturbing that looked of him that that guy's body I was, walking. I was gonna say, yeah. what did you think of that makeup job? That's yeah, so cool. I mean, He's like cut I open. Feel like the makeup could have been stronger, honestly, but it was really disturbing. Like the the red color and like the how pale he is and his eyes are white. Yeah. Like that was really spooky. And he, of course, runs into the janitor who is still laughing about the boy screaming like banshees. And then he runs into our corpse and he screams, screams like, like a banshee. banshee. Yeah. Well, so, and it's almost as if the uh, like the the dead, the walking dead, are just kind of reliving the last moments. It's like the last thing that they have in their memory bank. And they're just going yeah. about those last steps because they're always going back to the places that they're most familiar with. Once it, yeah, once it takes over their brain. Absolutely. Yeah. Once it reaches that point. <clears throat> so, um, after this bit, we, uh, what's the, what's the next bit? Do you guys remember what happens next? Because I don't have my notes. <laughs> Let me go grab my notes. Uh, we are not to the prom or the the dance scene yet. No. Oh, so what happens next is uh, JC. Oh and, yeah, JC. JC and Chris. Where he gets infected. Uh, yeah. So JC and Chris are hanging out, and uh, they get a knock ah. on the. So JC is 
they're both studying and jc is listening to his headphones and he's drumming the entire time doing and like being super loud and there's this great shot of chris like looking up and then looking back at him like are you serious right now <laughs> and then um he of course uh they get a knock on the door yep and it's cynthia yep. and she's like i looked you guys up hope you don't mind uh i i've got stuff i've got to, you know you guys are never going to believe this and we cut and we see them walking down the street and she's like he's like really because at uh, the point we missed is there was this cat the the sorority house had a, had a house cat and this cat was infected by one of the worms and when one of the girls picked it up, half of its face was like ripped off. Yep. And so she tells him about it, and JC says, Night of the Living Dead Cat. Yeah. And he starts doing like woo, spooky noises and stuff. And they're being followed, by the way. And they don't know they're being followed at this point. And somebody, some mysterious figures following him. And She's like, well, I don't care if you don't believe me, you know, or she's like, I thought you guys would, would believe me. And Chris kind of puts his arm around her and he and JC have this great moment where he's like, yes, you know? Yeah. And uh, he's like, oh, I've got to go use the facilities. So you guys, uh, you know, you guys hang here. So JC goes to the bathroom and Chris, you know, continues to listen to Cynthia and she tells him, hey, I think it was a, I think it was a dead body. I think it was like a zombie. It worms came out of its head. I know all this sounds crazy, but this is what happened. And he's like, uh, "Okay, let's get you back home." Yeah. Did you forget your meds? And so JC is in the bathroom, and uh, it's great when we see him. He's literally writing graffiti on the wall of the bathroom. He is. Yep. With pencil. With pencil, writing some kind of dirty limerick or what have you. And the janitor walks into the bathroom, who is now uh, basically corrupted. Yeah, zombified. Yeah. And so he falls over and his head busts open. Yep. And JC hears something. He opens the, the door and he sees this great effect of the busted head laying on the ground. And the, what do you guys think of the slug creatures? I think they're really cool and the way they move is creepy yeah i agree it's like they got a fishing line did that. yeah and it's so good right reeled yeah. them in it's what i yeah. uh, thought they it has did. to be like monofilament right like monofilament mm -hmm. pulling them but it's so smooth and like it's like they're like like they're on a track almost mm -hmm. i also feel like the way that they did the like scenes where they enter the body they had to have filmed it and then like reverse the film yeah, that's what well, it seems did. like they did. Yeah, they definitely did. You can tell on when uh, the Bradster gets it. The Bradster, yeah, that's where you noticed it. Yeah, yeah, definitely is reversed. Definitely reversed, yeah. Um, as Sam Raimi would say, that's the worst reverse acting I've ever seen. Um, that's what he he literally said that to Bruce Campbell on the set of Army of Darkness. <laughs> so worst reverse acting I've ever seen. <laughs> So he, um, JC is surrounded by these. He sees these creatures. He has a, he sees a matchbook on the floor and grabs it and lights, lights it on fire and throws it in the path of one of the slug creatures and it 
burst into flames immediately. So fire and heat kill these things. We know that. He, he figures this out. So he decides he's, one of them crawls up his leg. And so he tries to escape, but he can't run. He, he's on his crutches. Mm-hmm. So he falls and he's trying to crawl out. And one of them enters towards his mouth and we cut. And then we get this, this scene of Detective Cameron confronting Spanky, as he calls it. So after he drops Cynthia off and she asks him if he wants to go to the formal with her. Um, and he, of course, agrees. Chris agrees. So uh, Detective Cameron basically pulls um, Chris over, or pulls Chris in and tells him to come to the apartment and calls him Spanky. Um, after, you know, I think he, with- he goes over voluntarily, didn't he? Yeah. Or like is that later? No, well, he doesn't go over by himself. He remember uh, Carpenter or uh, Cameron confronts him, and basically the next cut is they're in his apartment, and he's telling him the story. He keeps calling him Spanky. Okay, because there's a version where there That's like later. later in the film he comes yeah, in later okay. in the movie. Yeah, so he's like uh, he starts telling him this backstory, and that's when yep. we get the backstory to what happened. He tells him about. You know, because he's like, oh, you know, have you ever, you had a one that got away, high school sweetheart? And he tell, he's like, yeah, where is she? She's off in college. Well, my, my high school sweetheart is, was murdered by an axe murderer. Yeah, she's <laughs> here, she's there, she's everywhere. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, so he tells them, he's like, so you know what happened next? Did they catch him and arrest him? Close. I caught up to him. And then he's like, did you go alone? Oh, no, no. I brought my 12 gauge. Yeah. And then he's like, should, then you know what happened? Should you be telling me this? Close. I leveled it at his chest. <laughs> <laughs> so we find out yeah. that he, uh, he caught up to the axe murderer, killed him on his own, and then buried him in the vacant lot, which ended up being the, the quarters of the headmistress. And right around this point, uh, we find out that the creatures are going underneath the house. And they went underneath the, the, the slugs went underneath the uh, maid house. Mm-hmm. So we cut to the, the headmistress's hut. And she's, do you guys see what she's watching, by the way? Lydia, did you catch what she was watching on TV? I can't remember. She was watching Plan 9 from Outer Space. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they referenced that earlier, too. They did, because this is like a, a good version of that kind of story, you know? Yeah. Um, so they... Uh, they reference, but she's watching Plan Nine, and the the body, the corpse of the zombie of the, of the uh, axe murderer arises from underneath and chops old lady to death mm-hmm. with the axe, and Cameron gets the call. Thrill me, and uh, winds up in this great in this chase scene. I. What do you guys think of this this portion, this like chase bit where they're trying to find the, the axe murderer? Because there's a really funny joke in here, I feel. The joke where they're like driving, looking for it because he's arrived. He's like, well, where is where is he? He's got to be somewhere. And the police officers are driving and they're like, nah, I don't see anything. And they drive right past him. Mm-hmm. And then they stop and reverse. They're like, yeah, um, I think we must found have been him. Those, must have been those rookies. Yeah, yeah. And then they, they see him, and they take off. And then there's, like, this this bit where he's, like, 
where the hell's my damn backup? And they all like pull in front of him and almost wreck him. And he's like, never mind. <laughs> and he chases him down to this dead end. And uh, they corner the, the, the corpse. And they start shooting holes in him, but it's not doing any good because they're shooting him in the chest. And he turns around and looks at Cameron and s- smiles. I think that's so creepy when it mm-hmm. smiles. Yeah, like, that was awesome. Such a, like it's like a skeleton face. It does like, yeah. That smile. What do you think of the the makeup job on of the skeleton itself, like that creature design? I loved it. Yeah, I think it's very like fun, right? It's fun. Yeah, it's definitely kind of like cartoonish, mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, but at the same time, it's like dirty and slimy and grungy, like rotting body. So it's like. Pretty gross to look at. <laughs> yeah. So then Derek, um, he shoots the axe murderer and blows his head off, and the worms yep. go everywhere. Yep. Um, and then that's when he knows, oh, this shit is real. You know, something's going on. And he kind of has a breakdown, Cameron does, because he just, he says, I already killed you. Yep. Um, so do you guys think this is his, was his breaking point? Because we, when we get to the scene later, he's not in a good place. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think that this could be that, that moment where, you know, he was already like, what was he really living for? It doesn't seem like he's got anybody in his life. You know, obviously this is kind of, you know, bringing up a lot of old memories uh, and things like that, and that was probably the you know that last step to the edge <laughs> before you decide <laughs> that you want to go off the cliff. The one thing that's haunted him his whole life. Yeah, and it came back to haunt him one more and time. It came back, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So then we, uh, Chris is getting ready for the formal. He has the tux and everything, and he goes to the. He's asking, "Hey, have you guys seen JC? I haven't seen him in a while." Yep. And he goes to the dorm room, and guys, this is one of my favorite scenes of the whole movie. He sees a tape, like after he gets ready for the formal, he sees a tape player that says, play me. Has a note written on it. So he plays it, and JC tells him that he's been infected. And that, uh, you know, well, that it came to it, it came into his mouth, that heat kills it. And then he says, you know, I love you, Chris. And it's just, Really emotional. I love it. Then he says, one of the most heartbreaking things possible. He says, I walked today, Chris. Yeah. Like, all by myself, I walked. I love you. I'm going down to the to the, the boiler room because he kills it. Yeah. And so Chris is crying, of course. And he goes down to the boiler room and he finds JC's body. And JC yeah. has managed to kill every single slug that was in him because he burned it to death by being near the boiler room. So he sacrificed himself to kill all of these because he knew he was doomed anyway. So sad. It was very sweet. Yeah, what a great character. Super sweet, yeah. 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 No, and he was one of the uh, the strong points in this movie. And it was really, it was bittersweet. Uh, You know, obviously his sacrifice, not only for his friend, but for anybody who could potentially have been affected but also like it's and the bitter part is it's an off-screen death 
mm-hmm. of a major character. Yeah. So I don't really like that, but also I I understand why they did it. Well, kind of because it'd probably be too hard to just too yeah. mean spirited to watch JC die. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah, well, and it's know? really impactful the the message that he left. Yes, mm-hmm. the message is why I don't think we have the on screen death. The message is because we don't know what happened to JC yet. We just know that that you know that he probably mm-hmm. is infected. We're expecting maybe to show up as like a zombie or something, but instead we get this like very emotional, uh, poignant recording yeah. saying, hey, uh, you know, the fact that he just tells him he loves him without any hesitation and that, hey, you know, uh, basically you're my best friend and, uh, you know, these, I've got to stop this. And the, it's just heartbreaking to me that he literally says, I walked today. It's just like this, such a like college student moment. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. he's, he's a kid still. He's a kid. Yeah. And um, so he, of course, uh, is devastated. And so he goes to the one person that he knows that could help him solve this problem, that there's that these aliens exist. And we cut to we cut to Cameron's house and he's he's having himself a little drink mm-hmm. and listening to some little jazz music. There's a knock on the door. He ignores it. Knock again. He finally goes and answers it. And we see that he is taped duct tape the doors and at first you're thinking because he's afraid of my takeaway when i first watched it a long time ago was and was this your takeaway lydia that he was trying to keep the the creatures from coming in yeah so you're like oh he's he's trying to protect himself from the creatures and he says alfalfa's dead you know and he tells him and so then we get this cool scene of we cut to the kitchen and we see that the the stove is on the, yeah. the gas is on, and he was literally going to suffocate himself to death. Yeah. Uh, but duty calls, and he has to protect the people. So he freaking starts gearing up, and there's this great, he grabs his shotgun and loads it, you know, make sure it's loaded. He's grabbing all the stuff. He goes and turns off the stove. And we get this great cut to them uh, at the uh, police station armory. And he's like wants to sign out a flamethrower. <laughs> <laughs> and the person that is signing out the flamethrower, do you guys recognize who that is? Yeah. Yes. Great Dick Miller. Gremlins. Gremlins, yep. Um, Chopping Mall, million other movies. So yeah, Dick Miller and uh, the Burbs, one of my all-time favorites. We'll mm-hmm. get to that one day. We'll get to that. Oh, I love the Burbs. Yeah, we'll get to that. That's a good one. It's it's horror, Jason. It's fine. Um, so he says, "Hey, I need the uh, the paperwork," and he's like, "Yeah, I don't have the paperwork." And he's like, "Well, that's going to be a problem." And Cameron levels a shotgun at him and says, "Yeah, I figured that would be a problem." <laughs> and that's uh, such a badass move. Like it move. is. It is. Like, it's hey, not- man, I got nothing to lose. Yeah, I'm at the Leave end of my rope. I plan on being here tomorrow, so don't fuck with me. Yeah. And so then we get this great montage, one of my favorite bits of the movie. We get this great montage of everybody getting ready for the formal. And we get, like, we see chicks, you know, in the shower. We see these dudes, like, drinking beer and, like, brushing their teeth at the same time, playing this music. They're all getting ready. And then they're, like, getting ready on the party bus, and they're like, Far out, dude. Let's go. Far out. Uh, loading onto the bus. This is one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie. 
Yeah. And then, like, so she had, the, the headmistress had a dog who got attacked by the creature, so it's, like, missing half of its face. And it's, uh, it walks out in the middle of the street and this bus crashes. Dude. Right before it crashes, like, the, the bus driver swerves and then he's headed towards the truck. There's, like, a few frames where they, like, put a mannequin in front, like, yeah. in place of him and, like, made his eyes real big yeah, and bulge out. <laughs> that was weird. I'm going to include that in the, uh, <laughs> just so you know. Yeah. So I that. think, I think that's a reference to the first Mad Max. That shot's in the first Mad Max, if you watch it, when it, like, cuts to the, like, his eyes bulge out before the toe cutter bites it. I'm pretty sure that's what the reference was to. Mm. Um, so yeah, we get that great shot of the, of the mannequin's bulgy eyes. And then uh, the, the bus crashes and the little dog goes in there and affects every single one of them. Yep. So that comes into play when the girls are getting ready for the prom. Who shows up first but Detective Cameron and... Well, first. first oh all, no, yeah. First of all, the dog goes and... Not the dog. Uh, the, the Bradster is out there. The Bradster. Yeah, the Bradster's yeah. outside, and he's drinking his beer, and he's like, "What a bitch!" Yep. Um, and the little dog comes up on him and infects him, shoots one out of its mouth into his mouth, and so the Bradster becomes zombified, and he knocks on the door, and Cynthia goes outside to. Talk to the Brad. She doesn't even look at him. She just grabs his hand, walks out. And she's like, "Well, sorry, Brad. It didn't work out." She's like, "I mean, it's not necessarily over forever, but I need time. You were a jerk, blah blah." She's having this discussion with him, and Chris yells, "Cynthia, get away from him!" and catches him on fire <laughs> with a flamethrower. Uh, Cameron does catches him on fire mm. with a flamethrower, and he burns and melts, and. Uh, they go, he goes inside, he hands Chris the flamethrower, and then he's like, you take the flamethrower, uh, he has the gun, and he goes through the house, and these, this girl's like, who are you? We're going to call the cops. He goes, good idea, you do that. <laughs> <laughs> and then my favorite line of the whole movie happens. The, the 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 prom dates start showing up, or the formal dates start oh, showing wait, up. Oh, wait, 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 before that, so uh, Cynthia is in shock. At this point, I love how uh, Chris hands her the gun and he's like, Here, this will make you feel better. <laughs> yeah, this will make you feel better because she has the shotgun. Yeah. And uh, Cameron's inside, the, the, they start coming. And he doesn't he hand her the flamethrower? He does eventually give her the flamethrower, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but uh, so the, the, zomb or the, the zombie dates start appearing and Cameron. Looks outside and says, "My favorite date, or my favorite line in the whole movie." He goes, "So, girls, I got good news and bad news. The good news is your dates are here. The bad What's news the is bad they're news? dead." Yeah. <laughs> oh, I got good news and bad news, girls. The good news is your dates are here. What's the bad news? They're dead. So good. cigarette in his mouth. Yep, you know that's gonna make it into the uh, yeah in the final version of this. Yeah, yeah. So. Then he, uh, so the zombies start attacking, and we get like basically them shooting and catching on fire, multiple zombies. One of one of them breaks through the window and uh, 
crawl in after Cameron and he uses his, uh, he shoots the guy. The little guys are running. He uses his cigarette and some hairspray yep. to, as a blowtorch to light him on fire. Then one of the girls get infected and a yep. bunch of them break in and he freaking, he's like being, they're all surrounding him and he's reaching for the gun and he looks up and sees his dead girlfriend yep. and it gives him the motivation to move forward and he grabs it and there's this great 360 shot of him just firing. Ah! Mowing people down. Yeah. And we just and cut. A, we don't uh, know what happens next. Reference that's to a, a later scene. A crazy 360 shot because really he's like spinning like yeah. out of control like crazy. Yeah, it's such a cool cool yeah. shot. You just see like the walls behind him just yeah. going like yeah. really fast. And then he freaking uh when we cut back to him, he's just laying upon or he's just sitting upon a pool a pool of dead bodies. Yeah. <laughs> he took all of them out. So there's um, a couple of uh, good one-liners in this like last segment. Yeah, what's one? Chris is like, yeah, Chris is like, duck, it's Miller time. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's Miller time. That's a great one. Or yeah. uh, whenever they get chased into the little uh, shed. Oh, that's my favorite. So they end up getting chased into like, into She's like, like the in shed. Here. <laughs> they get into the shed, and yeah, he says. Uh, he looks around and he's like, real good plan. Yeah, good plan. <laughs> my favorites. I laughed out loud when, I, when that, that <laughs> bit happened. And then when she uh, puts the flamethrower in, in the zombie's face and catches it on fire at point blank range, and then he's like, you know, he looks at her and she's like, shrugs. <laughs> and then she gets attacked by zombie Steve. <laughs> I was so mad that she wasn't just using that flamethrower like on them. <laughs> I know, yeah. I know. She's kind of holding it. And well, and this she... gives uh, this gives uh, way to another great line when she gets pulled out of the shed and he starts the lawnmower. Yeah, and he was like, "Later, dude." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's exactly. Like get out of the way, later, dude. <laughs> and he runs over Steve and his monobrow with the lawnmower. Um. Well, I. They were shooting the they were shooting the the dead first to make them explode, then using the flamethrower. So that mm -hmm. way it would catch the, the worms on fire. Right, but if the one time she used the flamethrower directly yeah. on the guy's face, his whole head exploded. It exploded, yeah. Like, so then should have just been doing that. The yeah, whole time. Probably. Probably should have been. This the effects in this part, by the way, are are awesome. Yeah. There's some great gore effects. There's some great, cool, practical head splits and and practical burns. Um, so they they go inside and they're like kind of locked up and they're like uh, that we see the the worms start to go underneath and it's like what's in the basement? And it's like because she's like in shock and she's like supplies, uh, science project, brains. <laughs> So they make it down. They're like, get out of the house. Everybody get out of the house. And they go down and they see Cameron already down there with his duct tape over his mouth to keep him from entering his body. Yep. And he's spraying him with gasoline. He's like, get out of here. Go ahead and get out of here. And he decides, you know, that he's going to sacrifice himself. So he starts, he starts counting. From 20. Yeah, and he starts counting down. And so they slowly start to back up. And we see this mass of all of them 
in the corner. This like gross looking. What do you think of that, Lydia? Like squiggling all over the place. Yeah, yeah. a horde of them. Yeah, yeah. just such so, such an unsettling picture, isn't it? Yeah, mm -hmm. I wonder. I I can't decide how they do like how they have created this yeah. like monster, but um, they almost looked stop motion. Yeah, in those yeah. scenes, I think they were totally stop motion. Yeah, yeah, in the the mass, I think was stop motion for sure. Which it takes so much. So much time. <laughs> and it's such a good effect. It's so cool. Yeah. Such a great visual. And so he starts spraying it. They they leave the house. They're backing up. And he's Chris is counting at the same time as Cameron. And before when he's uh, backing up, he looks at him and winks. Gives him a wink. A smile and a wink. Because he's just the most badass of all time. And then... They start trying to come at him, and he, he the one jumps up at him, and he grabs it, catches it in midair, and crushes it in his hand. He says something to it, but I forget what it was. It's, it's like, just so hard-ass. He's just like, Bleh. Yeah. And then he fucking... They, they count down, and he's like, one, detective, thrill me. And he lights the lighter, and the whole place goes... They, they, they turn into, like, darts and dart at him, and he lights it, and they explode. The whole house explodes, taking the horde with it. Such a great hero's death for Detective Cameron. The most impactful. But it it was, and I, uh, I mean, they 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 set it up for a sequel. It seemed, but uh, I feel a little cheated by the the end of it. Well, I don't because if, if you play it to the logical conclusion, either one of two things happen: either the 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 creature spits the so the dog is there and she turns around to see the dog after kissing chris and it spits it you know like it spits towards the camera we end so either it actually gets into her body and they either figure out a way to get it out or they kill her and it's over or mm. or they kill the dog right then. so they have an ending either way because that's the last yeah. one so it all ends right there either way lydia was that the ending that you saw no not at all and this is because of the we we got the uh, unrated version, I think. Yeah. What ending are you guys talking about? Uh, when you see uh, the detective walking down the oh, street right. with a lit cigarette, and he was burned to a crisp. Yeah. And he falls down and it bursts open. Yeah. Yeah. Right next to a cemetery, and then you see the lights come down from the spaceship yes. as they're scanning. Yeah, yeah that's the uh, that's the alternate ending. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one I saw. So yeah, the theatrical ending, the theatrical ending is a uh, is the dog comes up after they kiss and spits it into like sheep leans down. And she's like, "Oh, hi, puppy!" And it's that gross dog and it spits it at her, and we we end. Yeah, that's uh, a better they, ending, I think. <laughs> yes, it is the better ending. That's the that's because the yeah, ending. it was like heartbreaking to know that he got got by the yeah by those things yeah by the things and like. Like, Even though it does have an end with the spaceship coming down and everything yeah. as well, yeah. that they can control, they can get get rid of the experiment, right? But and it ties in with the beginning that we didn't get. But yeah, the actual the, the theatrical ending, so the canon ending, is the dog ending. Yeah, where man, I'm just, glad you saw that, Derek, because if if you guys both would have just saw the dog ending, I would have been like, what is happening? <laughs> So I didn't know which version about? I didn't know which version you guys were gonna watch. 
-hmm. So I watched the theatricals. I was like, oh, they're probably going to watch the theatrical because it's probably what's available on streaming services. Because I have both the theatrical and the unrated on my Blu-ray. So I just watched the theatrical. Like, "Ah, this is probably the one they're going to (laughs) watch. And I've seen both versions multiple times. So I know exactly what you're talking about. Okay. Yeah. I had seen this movie not too long ago. I think you and I maybe watched it. Yeah. I think we watched the theatrical cut too when we watched it. Yeah. 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 So the director's cut, that's basically the biggest difference. There's not many, there's some slightly cut gore scenes throughout the theatrical cut. Not a lot. And then there's the whole uh, completely different ending. So, yeah. The better ending is the, the theatrical ending, in my opinion. So now just picture that ending tacked on to the version you watched with <laughs> Okay. Um, and that is uh, Night of the Creeps. So guys, what are your thoughts on this movie? We'll start with you, Lydia, because you've not. this is the first time you've seen this movie. First time I've seen it. Um, I really loved it. I, I want more movies like this. And I feel like maybe because I was born in the 90s, I kind of went, st- you know, like, I watched a lot of 90s horror and then kind of went back in time to like the earlier stuff. And I feel like I missed a lot of 80s movies like this, especially. So I think we're going to have to do a lot more like 80s movies. Oh, well, you've come to the right place. Yeah, that's 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 our bread and butter butter. right there. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Definitely. That's what Derek and I uh, strive for. Uh, I mean, that's the movies we make harken back to some of those days. I mean, they harken back to the 50s, obviously, with some. They harken back to, then they're like modern takes of stuff as well. But, yeah, you know, the one we're doing now is a throwback to uh, 80s slasher movies. And yeah. 90s slasher movies, really. Um, there's some there's some screen sprinkled into there. some And some hatchet, so some 2000 stuff in there. But, uh, yeah, I agree. I think it's a, it's a fun movie. Very fun. Yeah. Derek, you and I grew up watching this movie. Mm-hmm. So was it as good on this watch? Uh, yeah, no, it was uh, It was just as good. Um, it was, uh, you know, it, it, it had a couple of things that I would have changed. Uh, some of the acting uh, could have been a little bit better. They had some really strong performances from, you know, some great actors in this movie. But, uh, you know, I think Chris's character could have done a little bit better in some of the line delivery that took it out uh, for me. But this movie, it's just fun, start to finish. Um, You know, I really enjoyed going back and rewatching it. Yeah, I agree with that assessment, too. There is some weak acting. Bradster's not great, but he's supposed to be deadly, so it works. Chris, some of Chris's lines are a little flat. Some of uh, uh, Cynthia's lines are a little flat. Mm. JC's performance is great. And Tom Atkins is, like heads and tails above everybody in the performance like department. Like he's just, he is that guy. You're like, Oh yeah. Okay. That's who this guy is. Oh yeah. Um, I think that, uh, you know, he and, uh, JC really, you know, they made this movie. Oh, they steal it. Yeah. They for yeah. sure steal the show. For sure. Yeah. I would, I, you know, if I were going to make any changes, I would have liked, uh, Chris to be not Chris, uh, Cynthia to be a little bit stronger of a character. Uh, sure. Especially towards the end, well, I mean, I mean her, her gentleness in the beginning. I mean that that goes with her character, 
It but, kind uh, of, I mean, she they kind of try to pay that off. She does get tougher at the end. I mean, she does take out a horde of undead zombies that yeah. burst open with uh, weird worms. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, so that's her arc. Chris's arc is to learn to stand up for himself. And uh, Cameron's arc is, of course, just uh, retribution. It's yeah. redemption. It's, he, he's on a redemption arc. Um, and I think though his arc plays the strongest. It has the best full character arc and feels the strongest. Mm-hmm. Well, better if, with the uh, the backstory that we got. Yeah, I would love if if I were to do if I would have done a sequel to this. If this movie would have been a big hit, would have done a sequel to it. I would have somehow made uh, I would have made Carpenter's character survive and him, of course, be the hero of the next movie as well. Because I would like to go on more adventures with that guy. That's a yeah. fun guy, fun character. Um, so Lydia, let's start with you. What are your pumpkin ratings for this? Um, man, I'm struggling over here. Just, I'm like, just go with your heart. It's really, it's up there. I'm thinking I'm going to go with eight. Eight? Eight yeah. pumpkins. It's a good solid rating. Derek. You're not going to like it. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to give it a 6.5. <laughs> what? <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I would watch this movie every single year for the rest of my life. It's a really fun movie. But there are a couple of core things uh, that could really put this movie into like that next level. Take it you know, from the B movie that it was and I think uh, elevate it a little bit. So it's got some room to improve, but I mean, I really did love watching this movie. It's a good movie. I'm going to say 6.5. You're going to say that now. You're going to regret it next week, and then you're going to be like, you have to stick with it. You're going to well, want to rate this a 7. <laughs> 6.5. All right. Uh, I'm going to uh, give it also a an 8. And here's the reason I'm giving it an 8. I agree 100% with your criticisms about uh, certain, uh, you know, uh, acting choices and stuff. But the amount of fun I had watching this movie was just as much fun as I had watching last week's Monster Squad. They're just, they're such fun movies. And they put you in such a good mood after you watch them. They have great performances. And I was going to give it a seven, but Tom Atkins raised it a whole star, a whole pumpkin by himself. (laughs) Tom Atkins made this an eight. I, I thought we were all going to give this a 10 because of Tom Atkins. <laughs> well, so if we're basing it on performance, it, uh, the Tom Atkins, for the Tom Atkins scale, it gets a 10 for sure. Yeah, definitely. What he do did you think, amazing. Derek? Oh, I think he, he definitely uh, overperformed Would you give it a 10 on movie. the Atkins scale? Yeah, I would say he overperformed in this for sure. It was, uh, um, there's, I mean, minus that one line, I think uh, – he his performance uh, for the character he was given was perfect. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Um, and then also uh, JC, I think, gave one hundred percent performance for you know what he was he set out to do. So yeah, yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. So since we can't agonize this movie because Tom's already in it, obviously, and there's no other character he could play because he plays the perfect role. We can't Atkinize the movie this week. So, uh, and we just gave it our Atkins rating, which is 10. It gets 10 out of 10 Tom Atkins. 
<laughs> Thrill me. Thrill me, indeed. Oh, man. <laughs> so, um, Lydia, it is your turn to pick next week's feature film. Uh-oh. What shall it be? I don't know if you guys are ready for it. Oh, I'm probably man. not. Can I'm I guess? This stuff for <laughs> Derek, you want to guess? Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I think I know what it is. I'm going to totally be wrong on this now. I'm going to say Puppet Master 2. Yes. <laughs> Puppet Master 2. I'm Hopefully ready I didn't cancel Puppet my Master full moon two. subscription. <laughs> <laughs> Are you guys ready? Yep. Heck yeah. All right. I'm I actually started watching this movie um, when I subscribed to that for that uh, short period of time. I didn't. I wasn't yeah. able to finish it because of, you know, time stuff. But yeah, I'm excited to go back and watch this again. I I did the same thing. I started it and then like walked away and did something else. And the beginning that doesn't like, bode well for this movie, this. guys. <laughs> <laughs> Two no, out of three like, of us started watching this and was like, oh, I'm oh, what the what's that over there? <laughs> because you know we watched it right before we recorded that episode, so yeah. it was like. You know, I don't want to just jump straight into the second one, you know, right before I'm about to record for the first one. So I so wanted that to be like fresh. Yeah. 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 So it was like, I put it on, but I wasn't really looking at it. You, so. you confuse it for Puppet Master 3 or 4 or 12. Yeah. <laughs> Lydia, I agree with your with your choice. I mean, Good the, choice. The, beginning, the beginning was interesting enough to make me pick this movie. So I'm excited <laughs> to talk okay. about it. So we're sticking with the 80s and we're sticking with, actually it's the 90s, early 90s. This Puppet Master 1 was 1989. So we're in the early 90s. This Puppet is Master a 90. 2. Yeah, 1990. Direct to video. Well, yeah, there's only one theatrical <laughs> Puppet Master movie and it was Puppet Master. <laughs> awesome. Uh, even the newest one, the Fangoria one, I got a limited theatrical release. Um, okay, so yeah, Puppet Masters next week. Uh, Puppet Master 2, Deuce, Dose. So that'll be uh, interesting. Uh, we're going back to the Puppet Master well already. Um, I mean, we've got a lot to make it through, so well, yeah, it could I take said, us a year. I said we're gonna do we should do one per month, uh, to get us through. I mean, it'll take us a year to get through all Puppet Masters, so <laughs> one for one per month. So that's this week's episode, guys. Uh, eight out of ten pumpkins. Eight out of ten pumpkins for Lydia. Six point five out of ten pumpkins for Simon Cowell. <laughs> Simon. You're like the Gordon Ramsay of, of our. <laughs> that's a compliment, just, I feel like. This is just dreadful. Yeah. You think everything's dreadful. You come up to Lydia and ask her if she's an idiot sandwich. <laughs> I would never. No, you're like, too nice to do that. That's rude. To any but human I mean, being, that's rude. You know Someone when said a movie... that to me, I'd be like... Yeah. You line. know when a movie is good or bad, though. Like, you can make a good movie, then you can judge if somebody else is making a good movie. That's true. That's true. Well, and the thing with this, like, even though I gave it a low rating, uh, it doesn't mean that I didn't think it was fun and I would watch it again. 
there's just a couple of areas that they could make changes and I think really improve this movie. It could have been, it could have been epic. Instead, it was just really good. All right, guys. Uh, that's our show. Um, be sure to like and subscribe. Uh, ding, ding, ding down there. Uh, share it with all your friends. And remember, if you're going to scream, scream, scream bloody movies. That was the slowest thing possible. <laughs> it was like, my metronome was like, scream bloody movies. And Derek was like, scream bloody. All right, let's do it one more time. I got this. You ready? Right, right. Say it fast. Two, All right. three. Scream, Scream bloody, bloody movies. movies. We got it that time. That was pretty yeah, good. Yeah, you were totally slow on that one. That, I was, that was perfect. We no, got it that time. We're all awful. Scream bloody movies. <laughs> See you next week, folks. End blah blah. I don't know what that is. That's my blah, end. Blah. <laughs> blah blah. I turned into some robot. Blah blah. End yeah. of podcast. <laughs> <laughs>